a new New Testament scripture that we'll use as our jumping board for tonight. We can turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And again, the theme of holiness and the theme of what does it mean to be God's people. Again, God, he tells the Israelites, hey, you are not to live like the Egyptians from your past. Hey, I know your family lived there for 400 years. That doesn't matter. No excuses. You're not supposed to live like them. When you move into the land of Canaan, you're not supposed to move in and live like the Canaanites. So I don't care if it's 2021. I don't care if it's 2022. I don't care if it's 2040. You need to live like a son or daughter of God. It doesn't matter what's new or what the new people are doing around us. We need to live like sons and daughters of God. Here in Romans chapter 6, we'll read verse 17 through 23. It tells us, but God be thanked that though you were, right? If we are Christians here tonight, we all once were slaves of sin. Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now... Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, we were all once slaves to sin and the end of sin is death. We're ashamed of that. It was lawlessness that only led to more lawlessness. So now how much more should we be slaves to righteousness, be slaves to God, being able to give him thanks and glory for what he's done in our lives? Again, who dictates your life? Who dictates what you do and when you do it? What church you go to? If you go to church, if you don't go to church, if you serve, if you don't serve, what you do on the weekends, who's dictating that? Because if the Lord's not dictating that, perhaps you're not living to your full potential as a believer, or perhaps you're still a slave to sin. So again, as we've been freed, God doesn't just free us to say, okay, Zach, I'm going to free you from sin and leave you alone and let you do whatever you want. Because if I'm left alone and do whatever I want, bad things happen, right? Lots of parents here tonight, what happens when you leave your kids alone and let them do whatever they want, right? The house is clean, the house is perfect, they pay the mortgage, the bills, right? They, they built a whole new additional, terrible things happen, right? And the same is true with us. When we are left alone to our devices, when we stay away from the people of God, when we stay away from the word of God, when we stay away from fellowship with God, bad things happen. So if you think you could just be in this gray area where, hey, I don't want to be a slave to God. I'm not a slave to unrighteousness. I'm just a slave to myself. It does not work that way. You're either a slave to God and righteousness or you're a slave to Satan and sin. Back to Leviticus chapter 20. And now we'll go through it. 
Verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. As we go through this chapter, there's lots of death penalties given. So oftentimes you're going to hear me say something to the effect of, serve Molech dead. Because that, that was basically the answer. The answer to each of these sins is dead. That's it. There's no room for forgiveness. There's no room for crying out to Jesus for salvation. So again, what a blessing for us today that we don't live in these Old Testament days. Molech, we've talked about him in the past, but Molech was an idol, was a god, and the people that wanted to serve this god of Molech would light an idol, a brazen idol made out of bronze, and they would lay a fire in its belly, and they would have hollow hands, and as they were scorching hot, you would lay your infant baby on those scorching hands, and to drown out the screams and yells of these babies, they would be banging drums and music would be playing. And these people were often doing this so that they could have as much sex as they wanted and not have to have any repercussions for it. Today, our sin as a nation, it's abortion. And there's so many lines that can be drawn to serving Molech and what abortion means to us today. Again, in chapter 19, God was telling us how to act. We're not to act like Egyptians And we're not to act like the Canaanites of today. We need to act like the children of God. And it didn't matter if you were born an Israelite or if you were an immigrant that fled with them. Right? As we went through the book of Exodus, we saw that there were many people who weren't Israelites. And seeing the work of God, they left Egypt and now they jumped in with the Israelites and went with them through the wilderness. So God is saying, hey, if you're an Israelite or you're an immigrant traveling with Israel and under the protection of Israel, if you were found worshiping Molech or sacrificing your child on the burning hands of this idol, you were to be executed, put to death right away. What does it mean to be stoned? Robert Jameson, some of you in your BC days have a different idea of what does it mean to be stoned. But here in this culture, what it meant to be stoned is you would take the criminal And you'd bring them to a high place. And you'd put them there at the edge of the precipice. And then you would push them backwards. Falling backwards so that they would fall down perpendicular to the height of the stone lying below. And if they weren't killed by the fall, then a second witness would throw one large stone upon the person flat on their back. And then after that, all the other witnesses and people of the land who were bystanders would rush forward with stones and throw them upon the person. This was the death sentence if you were found worshiping Molech. If you had another god, another idol before the Lord. Again, the first two of the Ten Commandments, it's about having other gods before the Lord. About making idols. We need to be careful in our lives. Verse 3 says, I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. The God of the Bible desires that we as parents 
would devote our children to no other God but Him. Parents, what gods are you giving your children unto? Again, maybe some of us here, we think we're good. I don't give my kids to Molech. No. But maybe you've given your kids the, to the gods of sports, right? And my little Harvey, they're going to become a major league athlete, and they're going to make millions, and they're going to pay off my mortgage, right? Maybe that's the God you've given your kids off to. Maybe it's to the gods of education and intellect. Man, they got to get into Harvard. They got to get into Ivy League. Man, we'll skip this. We'll skip that. Ah, we can't do camp. This year, youth camp. Sorry, George. We got to put him in math camp because he's got to get ready for this. He's got to get ready for college. What gods are you giving your descendants unto? Right? Is it to the gods of technology or social media? Ah, son, daughter, don't bother me. Just use this little device. Stay quiet to yourself and leave me alone. What gods are you giving your descendants to? Because our God, he desires our kids. And our God is a loving God. He's a just God. He's a perfect God, a merciful God. He's the only God, parents, worth giving our kids to. Verse 4 and 5, And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man, when he gives some of his descendants to Molech, and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man. And against his family. And I, again, this is the Lord speaking, will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. There's no pleading the fifth here, right? There's no saying, ah, I didn't see it. There's none of that. There's no, oh, it's not really a sin against me, so I don't have to deal with it. No, the Lord is saying anyone who witnessed an Israelite or an immigrant in Israel's protection, worshiping Molech and sacrificing their children to Molech, they were responsible to deal with it. They were responsible to deal with it. Again, for us in our own homes, in our sphere of influence, it's your responsibility to deal with the sin in your home. It's your responsibility to deal with the sin in your sphere of influence. Your oversight, your responsibilities, that is on you. There's no pleading the fifth. The Lord commands that we deal with it. And why does God have Moses write down these commandments? Right, last chapter, it was pretty embarrassing, right? God had to tell the nation of Israel, hey, don't trip a blind guy, right? He literally told them that in chapter 19. Hey, don't make fun of a deaf person because they can't hear. He literally had to say that. Why does the Lord tell us things like that? Because that's exactly what we're going to struggle with. And why did the Lord warn the nation of Israel, A, about sacrificing to Molech, and B, allowing someone else within the tribe to sacrifice to Molech and not do anything with it? Because the nation of Israel from here on out would continually fall into worshiping idols, and many idols, sadly, but also the idol of Molech. Even some of its greatest kings, in 1 Kings 11 verse 7, it tells us, Then Solomon built a high place for Cheshmash, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. Again, God gives us the Bible because he knows what we're going to struggle with. God gives us the Bible because he knows our sinful ways and the errors of our ways when we depart from him. And he's doing it all, again, to draw us unto him. 
Because he loves us and he cares about us. God's not just giving us the Bible so we can live a nice life and have a white picket fence and have a nice little family. God's giving us the Bible to draw us unto him. Because if we have the nice family and the white picket fence, but we don't have a relationship with him and we burn in hell for all of eternity, it doesn't matter. We need to have that walk in relationship with him. Verse 6, it says, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Again, so no Ouija boards, no tarot card readings, none of this. No calling Miss Cleo or trying to, the little weird person in the front of Dave and Buster's, right, with the crystal ball. No messing with any of that. You don't learn about how to defeat evil spirits by learning more about them. That's not how it works. Every once in a while, someone will come to church and say, hey, what do you guys learn about demons? You guys know a lot about demons. I need to learn about demons. No, it's the opposite. Verse 6 is literally telling us it's the opposite. We don't turn to the evil forces of darkness. We are to turn ourselves to the Lord. God's saying if you turn yourself to the evil forces of darkness, he's going to set his face against you. And we see this term, cut him off from his people. Again, to be excommunicated out of the camp of Israel. And we talked about this. If you were kicked out of the camp of Israel, where was Israel? In the wilderness. They were in the middle of the desert. So it's kind of a big deal to be kicked out of the tribe and nation that has their own form in a sense of protection, uh, food, healing, and the Lord nonetheless to be kicked out by yourself and with your family in the wilderness. 1 John 4, 2 and 3, it warns us to test the spirits. It tells us by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit out there is not of God. We need to test the spirits and we should not be turning to mediums or familiar spirits. Again, the dangers of drugs. Drugs open people up to evil spirits. The hallucinating is not the mushrooms. That's not what it's about. It's opening yourself up to, dumbing yourself down to, be in touch with the evil realm of Satan and demons. Verse 7 and 8, it tells us to consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Again, I love this. Our God does not force himself upon anyone. Here he's asking them, he's saying, hey, consecrate yourselves. You need to do this work. You need to want this. And if you want this and if you do it, at the end of verse 8 it says, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. David Guzik, he says, these are the two important aspects of our walk with God. God will not force you to be separated unto him. He does the work, but he does it through your own cooperating efforts and willing to be yielded unto his work. Again, you're not just holy because you came into church tonight. You're not just holy because you read your Bible every once in a while. You need to say, Lord, I want to be holy. Lord, I want to be consecrated. What does that word consecrated mean? To be set apart to the service of God. Again, this is how we started off with. It's being set apart away from 
the world and the things of the world and being set apart for a relationship with God and the work of God. Our God is holy. And if we are claiming that he is our God, then guess what? We need to be holy as well. That's the lifestyle we need to live. That's the people we need to be, is a holy people separated from this world. And what does he say there? Keeping his statutes and performing them. It's not just what we don't do. It's also what we do as believers. That was the evilness that crept into the Pharisees. They looked at their walk with God, not by what they did for God, but what they didn't do like the rest of the evil people out there. Again, we need to keep his statutes, but we need to perform what he tells us to do as well. Our works do not sanctify us. God is the one who sanctifies us, but we need to want it. We need to desire it. So many New Testament scriptures that point to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it tells us, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Are you being led by God's Spirit? Again, your decision-making, are you being led by the Spirit? Romans 8, 14, that's a scary verse because if we are not being led by the Spirit of God, then we are not sons and daughters of God. And if you are not a son or daughter of God, after this life ends, you're not going to be with God. And if you're not with God when this life ends, there's only one other place to be. And that's hell for all of eternity. That's why we need to be sure that we're keeping His statutes and we're performing the things God asks of us. Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Are you being led? Are you obedient to his word? That's the second part of this. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. Are you being obedient to scripture? That's a real simple one, right? Hey, if you love me, you're going to be obedient to what the Bible says. If you're constantly disobedient to the Bible, then you don't love Jesus. And if you don't love Jesus, I don't think you want to be with him for all of eternity, right? That doesn't sound fun. That sounds like a bad marriage, right? Being with someone you don't love, that's not what the Lord wants. So again, if we love him, we're going to keep his commandments. Let's jump over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and then we'll look at 1 John chapter 5. The mindset of desiring to be consecrated and then knowing he's the one that finishes the work. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 through 5, it tells us, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly, the love of God is perfected in him, and by this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Again, last week we read the Gospel of John where Jesus says, hey, I am in the world but not of it. And God calls us to, hey, stay in this world till I call you home. And you're supposed to be in this world, but not of it. We're on a lifelong missions trip, if you would. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, 
that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So just as the Lord called the nation of Israel and anyone that wanted to be a part of the nation of Israel to be obedient to his word and his statutes, God calls us to the very same thing today. You want to be a part of God's people? You want the blessings of God? You want the protection of God? Love God and keep his commandments. Back to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9. It says, For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. So if you curse your mom or dad, dead. That's it. That's it. Curse your mom or dad, dead. Now this isn't a baby or a a child, right? A toddler, It's always a sad thing to hear. We've all been there, right? The first time a little kid says, I hate you, right? It's always sad to hear. It's not talking about, all right, got to take you out back, kid. It's over, right? (laughs) Nice knowing you. Your two years of life are great, but hey, it's over. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's it's, it's in adulthood or even in your teenage years that you're trying to pronounce a curse, a curse of death, a curse of evil upon your parents. And God, he talks about honoring our father and mother all throughout Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, he talks about the importance of being obedient children to your parents. And then in adulthood, honoring our father and mother. Hey, a fun verse to hang up on your kid's door before they leave uh, every morning is Proverbs 30, verse 17. It says, The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. (laughs) So again, the Lord is not about kids cursing or mocking their parents. And a lack of respect and increase of disobedience to parents is a sign that a nation or a society has been in sin and is being given over to a debased mind. And again, that's what we're a part of right now. Our nation does not celebrate the elderly, right? I love how Proverbs puts it. The men that have that crown of glory that is their gray head. Our nation doesn't celebrate that. Our nation just celebrates youth. We put the youngest people that know nothing at the forefront of these monumental problems in our nation. And it almost seems like the second they turn 18, 25, 30, they disappear off the face of the news. In Romans chapter 1... Again, very famous portion of Scripture, a portion of Scripture that's not allowed in Canada or other nations. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 through 30, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. What are those things that are not fitting? Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, and in this same list, disobedient to parents. Again, parents, I encourage you, don't downplay when your kids are being disobedient to you because God doesn't downplay it. It's a big deal to the Lord, and it should be a big deal to us as parents. And we should handle it in a biblical manner. Not in our anger, not in our emotions, but we should be able to sit back, look at what the Bible has to say about it, and deal with it how the Bible says to deal with it. I believe it's 
Yeah, I forget right now. I think it's old uh, Hebrew literature. And they said that parents are so important because every life is created by three people. God in heaven and a mom and a dad. So again, when we're cursing our parents, even if they were evil, again, the only reason we exist is because they existed and what they've done. And it's difficult for some of us if we've had terrible parents or evil parents to not want to curse them. Or to not want to be constantly dishonoring them. But be reminded, family, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And again, I don't know about you guys. We were talking about this in the pastor's meeting. I don't know about you guys, but I need a lot of mercy. And the more mercy we extend, the more mercy we're going to receive. Right? Jesus says to forgive others. And when we forgive others, our Father in heaven will forgive us as well. So does it mean that you have to be their best friend in the world or have a relationship passing the ball around with dad after the things he's done with you? Not at all. But to be able to just forgive them, to be able to be merciful to them and allow the Lord to do a work in your heart, man, allow the Lord to do that. Again, we live in an evil and sinful world and many of the parents who have done evil things to us today in this world, they would be dead. They'd be dead. We're going to see that in a moment. But a reminder to us in the brokenness of many of our families Be merciful. Be gracious. Show them the love of Jesus. Verse 10. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer, and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Have sex with another person's spouse, you and that spouse, dead. Verse 11. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Sex with a step-parent, dead. Verse 12, if a man lies with his daughter, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. Consensual sex with a stepson or stepdaughter, dead. Again, we think this is crazy. This is weird. The church in Corinthians was dealing with this. The church in Corinth was dealing with this, and we live in a sinful and evil world. Verse 13, if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Sex with someone born the same gender as you, dead. Again, and we notice here, God gives the same penalty for any, that is any type of sex, Outside of marriage. What is marriage? One male that was born a male and one female born a female married, married and given to one another under the Lord. Any type of sex outside of that is evil in the sight of God. Again, we shouldn't just cherry pick one of these sins or one of these types of sexual immorality. It is all evil. All of it is evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 14, if a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there may be no wickedness among you. Again, God desires, as he is a holy God, he desires for his people to be holy. And here we see an instance where God says he desires that there would be no wickedness among you. And here we get an execution that's outside of stoning. Some scholars think that they were stoned first and then burnt. You'd burn the bodies. Other scholars think that they were to be branded 
or to have hot lead poured down their throats. So they argue about that. I don't want any of that. I don't want anything on that list, right? Verse 15. If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Having sex with an animal, dead, both the human and the animal. Again, we look at this. This is disgusting. This is gross. How are we talking about this on a Wednesday night? On every pornographic website, there's some portion of bestiality on it today, 2022. Parents, what are your kids watching on their phones? What are they watching on their laptops? Again, we need to be careful what we're saying. Ah, that's crazy. That's weird. It's coming to a place near us. Verse 17 and 18. If a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing. And they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his guilt. If a man lies with a woman during her sickness and uncovers her nakedness, he has exposed her flow and she has uncovered the flow of her blood. Both of them shall be cut off from their people. This isn't just a woman going about her monthly period. This is speaking about a woman that has a disease or a sickness, an ongoing disease or sickness. Very similar to the woman in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20, who had an issue of a flow of blood for 12 years. So this is what this is talking about. And here we see a different ending here. It's not stoning. It's that they'd be cut off from their people. Again, some scholars disagree if this is just another form of capital punishment. But I believe David Guzik also puts it in here that the penalty for these sins was not death, but rather to be cut off, to be exiled, to be sanctioned within Israel until the sin was atoned for or cleansed through a ceremonial cleansing. So again, depending on the sin, you would be either cast out of the nation out in the wilderness by yourself and with your family, or as we read a couple weeks ago with the ceremonially unclean things, you would have to wait and hunker down until you were cleansed for a day or a week or 40 days. Verse 19, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister nor of your father's sister, for that would uncover his near of kin. They shall bear their guilt. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin, and they shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. So now here, God himself gives curses of not being able to bear children. And throughout the land of Canaan, they would have sexual misconduct and orgies with neighbors, family members, and all sorts of atrocities. So God is warning them, don't live and act like the Canaanites. And again, we, we take a step back today. Does the world not mock one male husband and one female wife being married and having a normal family? Does our world not mock that today? So our God is saying, who cares what the rest of the world has to say about family or sex or gender? God says, I don't care what they have to say. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you are not to live like them. That's what God's word is saying. Verse 22, you shall therefore keep all my statutes 
and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they committed all these things, and therefore I abhor them. Again, do not live like the Canaanites. God judged the Canaanites and kicked them out of the land that they were in because of their sin and because of their wretchedness. Some people, they look to the God of the Old Testament and say, what a monster. Look at all the genocide he told the nation of Israel to commit. It was not out of the blue. It was not random. In fact, it's at least 400 years where the Canaanites are living the last 23 verses where some of you, your stomachs were turning, right? They were living this and doing this for over 400 years. So that's why God uses the nation of Israel to judge the Canaanites and their sin and their wretchedness. But guess what? If God had to judge the Canaanites and their sin and wretchedness, what happens when we begin to do the same sins and act in the same form of wretchedness? We have to be judged. That's just what has to happen. So again, for us to think that we can leave and stop being a slave of sin and a slave of Satan and not be constantly on guard and abiding into Jesus, again, we're being foolish. You're not just better than the rest of the world just because you don't do certain things like them. You're either full-blown for the world or full-blown for the Lord. Verse 24, But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. And I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between clean birds, unclean birds and clean. And you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. What a great verse to highlight. Verse 26 there. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Again, God had tremendous blessings for the nation of Israel. He literally saved them from slavery brings them out from Egypt, destroys their oppressors, gives them protection throughout the wilderness, gives them food from heaven throughout the wilderness, and now just asks, hey, live like I do. Be holy like I am. And I have a land for you, land for your cattle, land for your family, land where you can all grow. But you have to live the way I live. You have to be obedient to God's word. So here God said, hey, you're separated from the people's. Remember that. Teenager here, right? Young adult here. Remember, you are separated from the peoples. You are to be separate. You are to live differently. You are to look differently. Remember, every single one of us here, we are to live differently than the rest of the world around us. As parents, we're not supposed to look like unbelieving parents or an unbelieving husband, an unbelieving wife, an unbelieving employee, an unbelieving anything. We are to look different. And in this time period, in the Old Testament, for the Jewish culture, the way they were to be separated was even down to what they put on their plate to eat. That was a demonstration of how separated and different they were from the world. 
Again, God desires to bless them with incredible blessings. They just have to be obedient to him. And the truth is the same for us today. God desires to give you tremendous blessings. God's plans for you, they're not to destroy you. There are trials, there are tribulations. We looked at that on Sunday. But God's overwhelming desires, they are to bless you and protect you and give you a good, long life. However, we have to be obedient to him. We can't be constantly disobedient to him and say, Ah, God, why is my life so terrible, right? It's because of your disobedience. And at the end of all of this, God doesn't simply want our obedience, right? Every once in a while you see that with your kids, you tell them what to do and, All right, I'll do it, right? And they're angry about it. Fine. That's not what God wants. God wants us. He wants our heart. It's not just our obedience. The Pharisees, they were obedient to, to terrible extremes. But their hearts were far from the Lord. And is your heart far from God? Perhaps you're being disobedient or perhaps you're even being obedient. Is your heart far from the Lord? Are you not hearing from him? Are you not spending time with him? Are you just doing this so that you can be seen by man? That's exactly what was happening with the Pharisees. They were living the way they were living, not to please God, but that other people would see them and look at them and say, wow, how holy and how special is that person. Finally, verse 27, it says, a man or a woman who is a medium, that's not your t-shirt size, a man or woman who is a medium or who has a familiar spirit shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones and their blood shall be upon them. Again, here's a great truth. We saw it all the way at the beginning that if, we were, if anyone messed with these things, if anyone sought these things out, they were to be cut off from their people. They were to be exiled. However, if someone is practicing these things, if someone is leading other people down a bad path, there is a higher standard and a higher outcome, a higher penalty. Anyone messing with witchcraft and talking with the dead, they got to meet the dead in a hurry. They were dead as well. So again, for us to be reminded, it's one thing to, to fall into sin. It's a whole nother ball game when you were the one actively leading people into sin. Right? God's word warns us, hey, people are going to get tripped up. Bad things are going to happen. But woe to the person that's constantly tripping up other people and creating all the bad things. And the same is true for us tonight. So all of this, what is this to say? Man, we are blessed because we're living in the New Testament, right? We're living. Jesus has come. Jesus has come. He's given us forgiveness for our sins. And now he asks you, hey, do you want to be mine? Do you want to be with me? Do you want all of these blessings? And it's not just the land. It's not just the family and the white picket fence. No, God wants to give himself unto you.